Amen. 56 in Iranian PA. Amen. At the New York border. Amen, David. Praise God. <clears throat> All right. Well, we'll get started here. If you guys are opening in your Bibles, I, I think of the passage of Scripture we're going to be looking at, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So uh, if you guys want to open up there, feel free to do so. But I'll go ahead and open us up in prayer. Lord, we just thank you <clears throat> for time, Lord. Nothing nothing on earth more valuable uh, uh, as, as far as a commodity goes is time. And, Lord, we have chosen to spend this time together, and uh, we've chosen to spend this time with you. And, Spirit of God, we honor you and recognize you as a teacher. I thank you that you speak a word in due season to your people. I thank you, Lord, that you just speak a, speak a word to their specific place, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you give me the tongue of the learned to speak a word in due season. And, uh, Lord, I just thank you that you reveal the mysteries of Jesus and the mysteries of his love for us. And, uh, Lord, I thank you that deep calls into deep and you just speak a word in due season to everybody. Lord, we thank you for that. Let Jesus be revealed tonight in the scriptures. And, Lord, <clears throat> I also ask that you just help me to love these people the way you love them. Help me to see beyond just uh, profile pictures and names, Lord, and help me to care about them the way you care about them. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. <clears throat> well, the title here is uh, We Can Bulldoze with Our Gift of Righteousness or Fine-Tune Ourselves to the Leading of the Spirit. And um, I, I just, I think I, before I really step into that concept, I want to do a little bit of, a little bit of foundational teaching in order to kind of bring us all into the same place. Um, you know, when someone is in, there, there's different forms of legalism, uh, but ultimately, uh, really just in the modern day church, no one is completely under the old covenant uh, because, you know, no one is making temple sacrifices anymore. And so that's not really the issue. But the issue that we really deal with is a mixture of the covenants. We have people with some Old Testament concepts and some New Testament concepts, and they just kind of bring those together. And they call it Christianity, but what it really is, it brings a, brings a lot of confusion into people's lives, and they don't really um, understand how to relate to God. And so when Jesus came, he changed everything. You know, we don't, we don't have an Old Covenant mindset any longer. We don't have a legalistic mindset any longer. This new covenant that, that we've been given is a, is a covenant that's based on, on the graciousness of God, based on the finished work of the cross, and uh, ultimately based on the law of faith. And so it's totally different than the way that things were done in the old covenant. And if we want to really enjoy what Jesus provided on the cross, we've got to make sure that we have no foot in the Old Covenant when we relate to God. Now, that doesn't mean we throw out our Old Testament. Uh, our Old Testament's very, very powerful. Um, it's, it's all inspired by God. But we have to look at it through the lens of the cross. <clears throat> the primary difference between the two is this. Under the Old, man earned righteousness or right standing with God through their behavior. Um, they, they endeavored to keep the law of Moses in order to be made right with God, and none of them could. And so when they failed, uh, they, they had a, a temple sacrifice, uh, blood, the blood of bulls and goats, in order to cover their sin to maintain uh, their, their end of the covenant. Now, under the New Testament, um, once Jesus died, he fulfilled that old covenant. You know, he, he never sinned. He could step to the law of Moses, and, and he kept the whole thing. And then he became the sacrifice for everyone that could not. And so now we have a new covenant uh, established upon better promises, and this covenant is not based upon... Uh, the faithfulness of man or the willpower of man or even the conduct of man 
this new covenant is based purely on Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross. And so now, um, right standing or righteousness with God is not something that you earn uh, with your behavior or your conduct, but now it is a free gift that you receive. And so it's by grace through faith. And so, you know, it's, it's the, Jesus provided everything, and it's our part to simply believe it and to simply receive it. And so once you have received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you now become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And, and uh, it's one of the most, and, and this is the, the, the primary difference between the Old and New Covenant. Under the Old, we earn righteousness. Under the New, we receive it as a gift. Now, when you are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that you're done so, once again, not by behavior, but by a new nature. When you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you become a new creation in Christ Old things have passed away. All things are become new, and you are now born again. And so now you now have the nature of God on the inside of you. You have the incorruptible seed of the Word of God sown into you, sown into your heart, and now you are one spirit with the Lord. That means you're now in Christ. You know, me, for example, used to be, you know, drug addict, alcoholic, atheist, crazy person. And, um, and then when I received Jesus as Lord and Savior when I was about 19, 20 years old, um, I was crucified with Christ. The person I used to be uh, passed away, and then when I then I stepped into Christ, and I was given a new identity in in Him. And so now uh, I was not in right standing with God, and now I am in right standing with God, and it's been given to me as a result of a gift. And Second uh, Corinthians five and verse twenty one: He that knew no sin, talking about Jesus, became sin, so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. And so now we've been given this, this, this right standing. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. And uh, we also don't maintain it through our conduct. And once again, it's a free gift. And so this nature that's been given to you uh, preserves you and keeps you as a child of God. You know, we, we've been erroneously taught that we could uh, fail our way out of the family, that we could make enough mistakes where we would be removed and, you know, that our salvation wasn't really a sure thing, that our salvation was more, you know, of a Band-Aid that could be ripped off. And, um, and it's not, you know, the, the work of the cross is not this Band-Aid that's easily lost through man's failure. Uh, you, you've actually been given, been given a new identity. <clears throat> so this righteousness that you enjoy, <clears throat> it's not a conduct or an action or a behavior. This righteousness is actually a person, and his name is Jesus. And so now... You stepped into Christ, and now you're in Christ. And so now you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so um, it's given to everyone uh, when they receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. And, uh, you know, one person isn't more righteous than another person. You know, just because someone's a pastor or a leader doesn't mean they're more right with God uh, than someone who is not a pastor or leader. You know, the person that comes in off the street, drug addict, alcoholic, atheist, crazy person, when they receive Jesus as, as Savior, they become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. They become just as righteous as the pastor, just as righteous as any other child of God. And so uh, this concept of, of a, a holiness hierarchy is actually not born of the kingdom of God. It's actually a doctrine of the devil. Um, there's no one that's more right with God than anyone else uh, who is a child of God. And so uh, this, this kind of pyramid scheme or concept of, you know, the pastor being super righteous, you know, and when I go and I minister in, in other churches, I, I always kind of lay it out like this, you know, the pastor, you know, being super righteous in the first row being, you know, the most righteous after the pastor, then the second row being a little bit less righteous and a little bit less righteous, and you get all the way to the back and, you know, those folks are barely saved. That's a way 
a lot of uh, Christians, unfortunately, view salvation. And it's not true. There is no concept of, of hierarchy in the family of God. You are, you are a child of God. You are alive, or you are not a child of God, and you're spiritually dead. There's just no in-betweens. We don't have the ability to establish our own our own righteousness. That's not something that is a part of the kingdom. Now, there are different callings. Uh, there, there are leaders in the body of Christ. There's a five-fold ministry gifts. But no pastor or preacher has any more right to God than anyone else does. Um, it, it brings a sense of equality. And, and the, the law brought a sense of equality in terms of guilt. The law was given so that all would recognize and have the knowledge of sin and know that they've fallen short of the glory of God. So all were made equally guilty. You know, these these concepts of, of moralism uh, that we've created in Christianity um, is not really of the kingdom. You know, there's not this person who's, you know, who's, who's super bad sinner and this person a little le less bad sinner and this person a little less bad sinner. No, no, you're, it, and it's not really an issue of conduct. You're either alive in Christ or you're dead. <clears throat> there's really no in-betweens. And so because the law is not graded on a curve, it's graded as a composite whole. If you broke one, you broke them all. So it brought a sense of equal guilt, okay? No one's any better than anybody else. Everybody needs Jesus. But then when you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're brought into this place of sonship, this place of being um, a child of God. And so, and that is, once again, a place of equality in that you've been made the righteousness of God. And so um, this gift of righteousness is such a powerful thing, and it is ultimately what the gospel reveals according to Romans 1, 15, 16, and 17. Um, that this gospel, when it's preached, we reveal Jesus, and we reveal Jesus as our righteousness. And so God wants to, you and I to develop faith in Jesus as our righteousness and as our identity, not us try to establish our own righteousness through something that Scripture calls dead works. When I do a good deed, and I think that that good deed is making me right with God or keeping me right with God, it's actually a dead work. Um, you know, what, what is, you know, there's something about dead things that just smell bad. And when someone is operating in dead works, um, there's kind of a stench about what they do because everything that they're doing is, you know, they're trying to puff up themselves or say, look, see, I do this and I do that and I do this and I do that. So I'm better, you know, than this person over here. And that's actually a dead work. Uh, dead works always draw attention to self and the focus is on self. And that's not, Jesus didn't come and die so that you could establish your own righteousness. And that's why in Romans chapter 10, talking about the children of Israel, says they have a zeal of God, uh, but it's an ignorant zeal because they're trying to establish their own righteousness. And so um, it's not a righteousness that can be established through conduct. It is a righteousness which is of faith. Now, you can increase uh, your, your believing in the reality that you have been made right with God through the work of the cross. And that will, as a result, cause faith to rise up big and strong on the inside of you. When you believe that you're right with God, it's going to cause you to understand, number one, that you have a right to all the promises of God, and then it's also going to cause you to understand that you have a right to God himself, that you'll come boldly to the throne of grace to attain help in time of need. And it also removes all question marks in the back of your mind of whether God's actually for you or not. I think a lot of people... You know, the enemy, he's called the accuser of the brethren. He's always trying to bring people into a place of questioning whether God's really for them or not. And the cross actually removed all of those questions, but we have to renew our mind to the reality that the cross was a success, and that if you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, 
uh, you have a right to everything God provides. And now when you know that you have a right for it, you'll take a stand for it. You'll take a stand for the promises of God, and uh, it'll, it'll produce a very powerful peace in your life. And that's why the kingdom of God is not mean dream, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. When I know that I'm right with God, I have peace. And out of that place of peace, there's birthed this powerful force called joy. And joy um, is strong even in the midst of trials, even in the midst of circumstances. Joy is not based on a, a circumstantial happiness. You can have a powerful peace and a powerful joy in the midst of a storm, in the midst of adverse circumstances, because it is a spiritual force that originates on the inside of you, not the perfection of your surroundings. And so much of the world, they're trying to be happy through things that are external. Well, if I just had this spouse, or I just had this car, or this house, or, or this paycheck, or this degree, or whatever, then I'd be happy. But that, that type of circumstantial happiness is very fleeting, and it doesn't last. But we have something more powerful than that. We have a peace that comes from God, and we have a joy that comes from God, and you can have that in the midst of adverse circumstances. But the doorway that this peace and this joy comes is, once again, understanding that you're right with God. It's also the primary thing that the enemy is going to try to attack in your life. He's going to really try to attack your righteousness uh, through, 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 through temptation, through causing you to take temptation or to make a mistake or through failure. And the enemy will try to bring your sin or your shortcomings or your failure before your face and say, See, see, you're not right with God. God doesn't love you. You know, God is against you. And these, these are just not true. And so the reality is, is that the righteousness of God is more powerful than your failure more powerful than your shortcomings because it is a new identity. You know, and I bring out this um, example all the time in regards to my kids. You know, I have, I have two boys, and uh, they're, both, they're both born of me. You know, they're both Johnsons. And there's nothing that they can do to change their DNA. You know, they can get a haircut. You know, they can, they can change their clothes. Um, they, can, they can change external things, but they're still going to be my child because my DNA is infused with their DNA. So if my DNA, my corrupt, my seed is powerful enough to secure their identity, how much more powerful the incorruptible seed of the Word of God is able to keep us as sons and daughters of God. And the Bible says that, you know, once we're in God's hands, no one is able to pluck us out of God's hands. And so this reality, it provides a security, it provides a confidence, and it will also set you free from the dominion of sin because the more you awake to righteousness, the more you awake up to who you are in Christ, the less sin is going to hold sway over your life. That's one of the ways that God brought deliverance in my life from drug addiction is I realized that I wasn't a drug addict. You know, I was a child of God. And um, as a result of that, I renewed my mind to the fact that I was a child of God. And so slowly I stopped gravitating toward behavior uh, of the person that I used to be. And so God wants to bring just a powerful freedom in our lives through us awakening to righteousness. And it will empower us to sin not. It will empower sin not to have dominion over our lives. And then Romans chapter 5 and verse 17, they which receive an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Jesus Christ. And so God wants all of us to, to have a strong confidence in Jesus, in the fact that the cross is a success, in the fact that we're the righteousness of God, our sins and lawless deeds he will remember no more. We are no longer under the law. Now we are under grace. Now we can have confidence. And in that environment of grace and righteousness, there's a robust faith that's going to come up. And it's actually going to begin to uh, reveal the liberty or freedom of the children of God. The Bible says that all creation groans and travails, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. 
When it's talking about sons, of course, it's talking about daughters as well. And so as we realize who we are in Christ, it's going to display a powerful confidence and a powerful freedom in the earth that we're children of God. And so um, this is a reality. So this is kind of where I wanted to, to bring us all on the same page before I start to step into uh, what we're talking about here, uh, just in terms of the title. <clears throat> and so now, when you've spent a great deal of time in legalism, and you thought that your standing with God was based upon your conduct, then what ends up happening is uh, the, the thing that, that constrains you from sin, the thing that constrains you from failure and from sin and making mistakes is you're scared you're going to lose your salvation, and you're scared that you're not going to be a child of God any longer. And so what it does is it puts this engine inside of your heart of legalistic performance, you know. I mean, there was a time in my life where I thought if I didn't give a certain amount that I was going to be cursed. If I didn't come to church enough, then I, you know, I wasn't going to be blessed. You know, and it was always based upon my shoulders. You know, I got to do this, and then I got to do that, and then I got to do this, and I got to do that, and I got to do this, and I got to do that. All of these things to try to stay right with God or, or to stay blessed with God, blessed by God. And, um, and so <clears throat> as a result of that, you know, most of the motivation in my life was, just, was basically just fear. Uh, fear of losing my salvation, fear of losing the favor of God. And, and the engine behind my, my heart was an engine of fear and an engine of obligation. Now, um, that is not the greatest thing for your, for your life to be motivated by. Um, fear and obligation ultimately will wear you out. And in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, you know, Jesus talking about this yoke you know, this yoke of legalism, you know, he said, you know, this yoke is heavy, and this, this yoke is, is it's, a, it's a lot, it's a big burden for someone to take on, and, you know, he said, but my yoke is easy, my yoke is light, come learn of me, I'm meek and lowly of heart, so Jesus was trying to present to the children of Israel a different yoke than that yoke of legalism, and actually, you know, this beautiful yoke of grace that actually fits on your heart, and not hunkers down over your shoulders, demanding from you, this yoke of grace actually supplies to you, and, and so, um, and so I was caught up in that. And so most of the motivation behind my life was really just fear. So as a result of that, um, once again, it, it wears you out. And uh, it can really, I've seen it destroy people's lives, man. I've seen it destroy marriages. I've seen it destroy families. Uh, it's just a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really rambunctious evil in the earth. And, uh, and so many of you watching, you, you probably come out of those type of scenarios. Now, when you've spent your entire life being yoked or controlled or compelled uh, by fear, then all of a sudden when you find out that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus apart from your behavior, there can be this really, uh, there's a season of, of, of growing up and kind of maturing. And, and what, I'm, what I'm saying is, is um, you know, it's kind of like the difference between, you know, maybe a, a, a kindergarten teacher and a high school teacher. You know, my son is currently in high school, and this is his first year of high school, my oldest son, and uh, they're giving them a lot of freedom. You know, they're, they're, uh, there's a lot more freedom in high school uh, than there is in middle school or there was in elementary school. And, and so, and, you know, they're not, you know, they're just, people aren't constantly looking over their shoulder to make sure they're doing this or doing that. There's just an element of trust, and there's an element of opportunity to mature. See. You can't really mature in an atmosphere of extreme control. In an atmosphere of extreme control, you're going to stay an infant because you're going to need someone to constantly tell you what to do. 
And that's why legalism can't actually produce mature Christians. When it, when it actually, it's more like a daycare where everyone looks to the pastor for the pastor to have a relationship with God. And then they try to have their relationship with God through the pastor. And that's actually an Old Testament mindset. That's, that's the Moses mindset. You know, Moses was the go-between. And uh, the children of Israel, they didn't want to approach God themselves. They wanted Moses to. And so this, that legalistic attitude of, you know, my pastor's got to tell me everything to do. And, I, you know, it's all, you know, that's, that's, that's not really maturity. And so uh, God wants you to have your own relationship with God. Now, thank God for pastors. Thank God for leaders. They're called to serve. They're called to love. They're called to feed. They're called to teach. They're called to point people to Jesus. But the greatest thing I can do as a minister is teach someone how to have their own relationship with God. And there's so much, you know, codependent Christianity uh, where, where people are living in these states of control and they're never actually growing up. And so getting back to the analogy between high school and, um, and we'll say, kindergarten, you know, in kindergarten, you know, you, you got the, you know, the teacher walking around and, you know, making sure everybody's on task and, you know, making sure they're doing this, making sure they're doing that, making sure, you know, making sure they're not, you know, taking their crayons and eating them and making sure they're not, you know, sticking the fork in the light socket or whatever. If you take that, and they need that because they're not mature, but if you take that same level of control and you keep it on a child until they're 18, then what ends up happening, you know, if, if there's a high school teacher going around saying, now listen, you guys don't want to be eating no crayons. I want to keep an eye on you. Make sure you're not eating crayons. Make sure you're not sticking anything in the light socket. In, in that type of environment, if they keep that same level of rules and control, that child doesn't have an opportunity to ever actually mature or grow up. You know, a big part of parenting is giving your children greater and greater levels of freedom so that they can learn how to govern themselves, you know, through their own conscience through what you teach them and, and hopefully through the spirit of God. And that's what we're actually going to get to because the spirit of God is what we really, we want spirit. We want people to be spirit led. That's actually what true maturity is. And so if I kept the same rules on my 15 year old as I had since he was two, he would never have an opportunity to grow up or mature. And I wouldn't be placing him in an environment where he even could grow up because he wouldn't know how to handle freedom. And that's one of the things that, that my wife and I have seen, you know, we, we ran a teen center um, for, for many years, and the kids that we had the most trouble with were the kids whose parents were just crazy, crazy, crazy strict and trying to control every aspect of their lives. Um, those kids rebelled the hardest. And when a kid has zero freedom, and then they become 18 years old, and suddenly they're an adult in the world's eyes, and then they go out. If they haven't learned how to handle freedom, then they go out and lose their minds. And, uh, and unfortunately, some really awful things have happened. And then hopefully through repercussion, you know, they come back to the Lord. But many times what's happening is they're just rebelling against legalism, rebelling against that control. <clears throat> and so when uh, so maturity happens in an atmosphere of freedom, you want to give greater and greater levels of freedom and see how they handle it. And if they can't handle it, then you allow them to continue in it. That's what maturity is. Well, it's the same thing in the kingdom. When, it, when, a, when a ministry is preaching from a new covenant perspective, we're, we're, giving, we're giving people freedom and we're trusting the spirit of God on the inside of them. Now, I'm not saying there's an absence of leadership or there's an absence of correction, because there is. The, all those things are there. The word will correct us. And there are times when even leaders need to correct us. But ultimately, 
What we're looking to do is we're tr trying to create an atmosphere of freedom where people can have a relationship with God internally by the Spirit of God, and they can learn and be led to do what's right because that's what God is leading them to do, not because the taskmaster is over them, threatening them with a curse or threatening them uh, with being removed from the family. And so um, when you have spent a great deal of time in legalism, then a lot of times what happens is when you actually, and when I say legalism, I'm saying you're trying to earn your righteousness or establish your righteousness and living in a state of fear like all of a sudden you're not going to be right with God if you look at the wrong thing or say the wrong thing or, or do the wrong thing. When you, when you leave that realm of bondage, because that's what it is, and slavery and not maturity, and you step over into this place of knowing that you're righteous by faith, there can be a season where you don't know how to act. Like you, you don't, because you've spent so much time being controlled by, you know, fear and manipulation and, and these things, that when those things get removed, all of a sudden in an atmosphere of freedom, people can start to act out. And uh, it can take time for people to learn how to handle that freedom and how to mature. You know, it's just, it's kind of like, and here's another great analogy, it's like the city dog and the country dog. You know, city dog is, you know, is in the apartment and can't leave and not allowed to go out the door and always wanting to go out the door. And, you know, you can't let that dog out the door in the city. But then the country dog, you know, can has his roam. He can roam anywhere he wants to on the farm, in the fields or whatever. And the difference between the two is, you know, the country dog probably going to be laying on the porch knowing that it's better at the master's house than anywhere else. Whereas the city dog is just chopping at the bit to get out because it's not allowed to. And, and what God wants to do in, in, in a place of freedom is bring us to a place where we can, out of a place of relationship with him, in relationship with, 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 with the scripture, in relationship with the leading of the spirit, we can learn how to steward our liberty with wisdom, and we can actually mature and become children of God that can handle freedom. But once again, initially, when, when we kind of get set free from that system of bondage, people can kind of lose it for a season. And, and that brings me to my point that we have here um, in the title of this message, we can bulldoze with our gift of righteousness or fine-tune ourselves to the leading of the Spirit. And so when you're, when you're still learning how to handle liberty, when you're still learning how to handle freedom, what can happen is people can use their righteousness um, almost like an excuse not to be led by the Spirit of God, not to hear God, and not even to be in relationship with God. And, and that's what I talk about when I talk about bulldozing. You know, you're over here and you know, Spirit of God's leading you, you know, not to do this or not to say that, but there you are, you're like, well, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You know, I'm living in forgiveness, I'm the righteousness of God. And then you just kind of bulldoze your way through it. Now, here's the thing, I do think that there's a season of that for people. I've been in that season, and I know what it's like, and it's, it's better to be in that season of bulldozing with your gift of righteousness, even though you might be clumsy, you might be falling around, you might be making mistakes, it's better to have an opportunity to mature in a place of freedom than to stay in a place of bondage and never have the opportunity to actually grow up and mature. And so there is like this season many times for people who've lived under a works righteousness, old covenant mentality, and they step over here into grace and they, they begin to kind of use um, that gift of righteousness to, to just kind of do what they want. And, um, and that's not what God has given this gift of righteousness for, that's not the purpose behind it, but there is a season of testing the boundaries of liberty. Now, I don't encourage that, 
um, I don't, I don't, I don't think that I would never want anyone to do that. The reason that you've been made right with God is so that you can have relationship with Him. Period. So that you can be led by His Spirit. So that you can allow uh, the Scriptures to come into your life and to bring reproof to your heart and keep you in, in, in a wise path. You know. Uh, but I, I do think that there are times when people will take that gift of righteousness and kind of bulldoze their way and, and kind of reject the leading of the Spirit and uh, even reject obedience to the Scriptures. And, and what ends up happening is they're like, well, I'm the righteousness of God, I'm the righteousness of God. And here's the thing, it's true, they are. God's not going to take that gift away from you. You have that gift. But the purpose of the gift is so that you can have relationship with God. And that's where I start leading into uh we can use this gift to fine-tune ourselves to the leading of the Spirit because uh, you've been made right with God so that you can stay in relationship because ultimately, here's the thing, God wants to help you. God wants to lead you. God wants to teach you how to do everything. And uh, it's actually really, really exciting when you start to get a hold of it because, like, He'll teach you how to do everything. You know, I love what it says in, in uh, the epistles of John where it says we have an anointing, we have an unction one from the Holy One, and we know all things. And so there's this place where, man, God, will, he'll lead you. He'll lead you in everything. And it's, it's really awesome. He'll lead you how to parent. He'll lead you how to be a good spouse. He'll lead you how to be a good minister. He'll lead you um, how to, to do anything and everything if you acknowledge him in it. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, if we acknowledge the Lord, that he will direct our ways. And so there's this place in the New Testament where, where Jesus actually is going to live through you. And um, it, it, it's a place of surrender, it's a place of yieldedness, and it's a place of trusting the Lord and just allowing uh, the Spirit of God to lead us. Now, what does that look like in, in a practical sense? Well, um, and this is where righteousness, righteousness is to help us to enter into this thing called being Spirit-led. And uh, in Romans chapter 8, that's, that's true, that's maturity. It says that they that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And if you look at that word in the Greek, that word for sons is the word weos. And it literally means mature, mature. So what we want to do is we want people to understand that they're the righteousness of God so they can become skilled in righteousness. They refuse the attack of the enemy, and they maintain relationship with the Lord in their ups, in their downs, in their failures, in their transgressions. No matter what, they recognize Jesus has moved in, and he's not leaving. And so uh, they. So what righteousness does is it, it preserves relationship with the Lord. You know, under the old covenant, Spirit of God would leave. You know, when the children of Israel broke their covenant, uh, man, all kinds of awful things happened. You know, the, the Spirit of God would leave. They would make statements like, Lord, please don't take your Spirit from me. Under the old covenant, uh, there was an element of rejection. There was an element of God leaving because that's how that covenant operated. But that, that was never what God wanted. Under the new covenant, you know, God found fault with the old covenant because it was based upon man's ability to obey and man's ability to do what was right. Under the new covenant, man, this thing's sealed by the finished work of the cross. And so now, as a child of God, God's in there, and he's not leaving. He's in there with you in the good times. He's in there with you in the bad times. And what grace does is it reaches down into our places of failure, into our places of shortcoming, and picks us back up, man, and sets our feet upon a rock. And, and God's like, man, I'll, I'll lead you out of this. I know you messed this up, but I'm going to help you. And so the purpose of righteousness is not so we can bulldoze our way through missed opportunities of obedience to the Spirit of God or to Scripture, um, although there is a time for that. I I'm I'm just want to be careful not to condemn that because 
I do think in the maturity process of freedom, you have a period of time where you kind of just bumble along uh, and you make mistakes. And that's okay because you're in the family. Same thing happened to the prodigal son. You know, he, he, he could not outsend his sonship. He could not outpigpen his sonship, you know. He was a son of he was a son of the master. He was a son of the good father, and the father brought him back to that identity. But his mistakes laid the way for him to come back and receive a goodness that he didn't deserve, which I guarantee you wooed his heart and changed his life. And that's ultimately what grace does. Grace says, "Man, I will be good to you even when you fail." And it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance, man. When you've experienced good when you don't deserve it, it, it conquers your heart in a way that that you're your fine-tuned obedience cannot. And that's the difference between the, the elder brother laboring in the field and the younger brother uh, who came back and just received the graciousness of the Father. And so um, there is a, there can be a bumbling time. So I, I want to make very be very careful and be very clear that there's no condemnation on anyone who's in that place uh, because I would never want to do that because it's a place of maturing, you know. When I, I, give, my, I give my kids freedom, you know, I give my... 15-year-old freedom and then see how he handles it. If it's too much, we'll pull it back a little bit. We do the same thing for our, for our two-year-old. You know, we give him elements of freedom because that's where people learn how that they're trusted and that they're believed in, and then they, they learn how to operate, you know. But when they abuse that freedom, we got to, you know, pull them back in a little bit and help them to handle freedom, okay? And so, but the purpose of this gift of righteousness is so that you can maintain relationship with the Lord uninterrupted, and, and not stopping, and then ultimately, like I was saying earlier, become spirit-led, because that is the place of maturity. That's the place of, um, of just relationship with the Lord. And so what, I want to read this passage of Scripture to you here, because um, and, and, and what we're doing here is he's, he's, he's juxtaposing the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant in this chapter in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He's talking about the letter that kills and the spirit that gives life. And so I just want to, want to read this to you. He says... Um, Second uh, Corinthians chapter three, and in verse four it says, "And we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life." And so he's he's, he's setting the stage for what the new covenant looks like, and he starts talking about it being the Spirit that gives life. You know, you're no longer under the law of Moses. You're now the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is what is um, is operating on the inside of you. So verse 7, he says, For if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses. Now he's talking about the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant came, and it was glorious, and it was powerful, and it was awesome. But man, as soon as that covenant was cut, 3,000 people died because there was repercussions for disobedience, and it was swift. But nonetheless, it was still glorious. Could not, the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. You know, Moses' face stopped glowing, and there's a reason why, because God knew that old covenant wasn't going to be forever. It was for a period of time. It had a purpose, uh, but it fulfilled that purpose, and Jesus fulfilled that covenant on the cross, and now we have a new covenant. And he says, um, how, it says, the mo, because, the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. And so 
the ministry of the New Testament, the ministry of righteousness by faith, is the ministry of the Spirit. And, and what that means is, is the more that you understand that you're the righteousness of God, the more you get your heart established in it, you start to get on the wavelength of heaven. Uh, because heaven, uh, as a child of God, you know, God is going to convict me of righteousness. God's going to remind me of who I am. And this is where um, the, the, the new covenant uh, begins to set people free from sin. Because, you know, say someone falls into a sinful, falls into transgression, falls into a mistake. The Spirit of God is going to come to them and convict them of righteousness. What does that mean? The Spirit of God is going to come and say, you're the righteousness of God. You're better than this. This is not who you are. You may fall into anger, but that's not who you are. You may fall into lust, but that's not who you are. You may fall into gossip, but that's not who you are. The Spirit of God is going to bring to your remembrance your identity in Christ. And it is that that's going to lift you up out of that sin, out of that failure, set your feet upon the rock, and make your, your footsteps straight. It's easy to be, it's easy to act as the person that you are. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? The primary thrust of the new covenant is being, not doing. If I get my being right, my doing becomes second nature. Okay? And so God, through his spirit, is always going to come back to who you are. Just like the father, when the prodigal son came home, he said, you don't belong in the pig pen. Here, let me put the best robe on you. And that robe represents the, the righteousness of God, the fine white righteous linen of the saints. And so the Spirit of God's always going to convict you of righteousness. The Spirit of God convicts the world of sin. What sin? The sin of unbelief in Jesus. So, um, and so the wavelength of heaven, the wavelength of the Spirit, the ministry of righteousness, and the ministry of the Spirit is the same ministry, okay? And so as you begin to believe that you're the righteousness of God, it will allow you, and as you get skilled in it, 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 I'm about, when I talk about getting skilled in it, I'm talking about condemning the tongues of judgment that arise against you, talking about taking authority over the, over the enemy's lies, that God's mad at you, or, or you failed, or you need to establish your own righteousness. These are, these are maturing things, okay? The Bible talks about it in Hebrews chapter 6 and chapter 5. You get skilled in righteousness, that you can stay on that wavelength of God's Spirit, and you can stay Spirit-led. See, when you're in a state of condemnation, it can be difficult to be led by the Spirit. Why? Because you're in a state of New Testament disobedience, because you're in a state of unbelief concerning the cross. You think God's mad at you. You think that you're not forgiven. You don't know if you ever try to talk to someone with their heads down like this. Well, it's hard to talk to them and direct them. You know, I have times when, you know, when you know, I want my teenager to look at me, look at me, so I know that I have your attention. But when someone's in a state of condemnation, their head's hanging down like this, and it's difficult for them to be spirit-led because the first thing God's going to pull them out of is condemnation. The first thing he's going to pull them out of is stop believing that you have failed more than I did on the cross. Stop believing that I'm against you. Start believing in my son and that my son did a good job and that now you've been given this gift of righteousness. That's what snatches you up out of that state of disobedience or that state where sin's trying to have dominion over your life. And so the more that you believe and you understand that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, the easier it's going to be for you to be led by the Spirit because your conscience will become cleansed. An evil conscience is a conscience that's perpetually thinking about sin, perpetually in a state of condemnation. 
You know, you ever get around someone and they're constantly thinking they're sinning, and they're constantly confessing sin, and they're constantly, they're just wigged out. Well, that person, they're operating in an evil conscience, and they're not allowing faith in Jesus to purge and cleanse their conscience from dead works so that they can operate as a child of God, a son of God, a daughter of God, put their shoulders back and live life rather than staying in a state of insecurity and fault-finding towards themselves and ultimately sin consciousness. You know, the, 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 the preaching of the gospel is not to make you sin conscious. The preaching of the gospel is to make you sun conscious. Want your eyes on Jesus. You know, I, I give this analogy all the time, but, you know, the, the, the best way to drive a car is to look straight ahead. If you drive your car and, the, and you're constantly, your primary goal in driving the car is to stay out of the ditch. So you're staring at the ditch. I got to stay out of the ditch. I got to stay out of the ditch. Well, wherever you focus, you're going to gravitate towards. If you're constantly staring at the ditch, trying to stay out of the ditch, you're going to end up in the ditch. But if you'll just look forward and drive forward, you'll stay out of the ditch as a result of your focus. And so much of Christianity, because there's a mixture of the Old and New Testament, we're sin conscious. We're in the church. We're constantly talking about sin, 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 sin. Sin conscious people are going to sin. Sin conscious people are going to fall into the dominion of sin. No, we're not called to preach sin, sin, sin. We're called to preach son, son, son. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Look ahead. Look forward. Be spirit-led. And, and what ends up happening is, is through the, you know, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, it's like the law of lift, man. You're just above the clouds, you know, just like a plane when it flies. The law of gravity is everywhere. The law of lift is stronger than the law of gravity when everything's enacted. And when that spirit of life in Christ Jesus is rolling and, and you Sin doesn't have dominion over you. You're not even really thinking about it because you're just focused on being who you are, which is a child of God, and you don't have a, a sin nature. You don't have a, a propensity for that. So this is how we get free. This is how we stay free, and it's also how we actually grow up. And there's a maturity that comes in our life as we recognize this righteousness. And so there may be a season of bulldozing. There may be a season of failure. There may be a season of, you know, using your righteousness and, and, and uh, you know, and, 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 you know, as you're trying to mature, but, but God's drawing you into a place of maturity where you understand that that gift of righteousness is for the purpose of fine-tuning you to be spirit-led, man. Because, man, the Spirit of God, gosh, he'll just lead you. He'll tell you, he'll, you know, and, and in a practical sense, the way that happens is just have an unction, just have a knowing. And all the kingdom operates like that. It's just a knowing. You know, there's just an unction down here, you know. Uh, the other day, God put an unction. I just kept thinking about this ministry. And, and uh, man, God just laid on my heart to give into this ministry. I've never given into this ministry, but I've enjoyed things that this ministry has produced for years. You know, um, it's a music ministry. And um, I've enjoyed it, but I, you know, and I, and I bought some of their albums, but I just, I just, there was just an unction. There was a want to. That's the leading of the Spirit. So God w was just leading me to give into that ministry. You know, but then that same unction will, will lead you to reach out to a friend or, you know, lead you uh, to minister to someone or to love on someone or, or to, to kiss your spouse or to kiss your children or, or whatever. It's that unction. And then the upside of that is just the no, just a little check. No, don't say that. No, don't do that. No, don't, don't do that. And, man, that right there is, I can't even convey to you how valuable it is. That is the voice of wisdom, man, because, you know, in the world we live in, we need that. We need that. We, we need a wisdom that's greater than what our five physical senses can produce. You know, I mean, I, I've, I've 
you know, I had some ministry set up for this year, like some traveling ministry. That's a part of it. It's one of the things that I do. But down here, I just got to, no, don't go. Don't do that. And man, I got to follow that. I got to follow that. Now, now, you know what I could do? I could say, you know what? I'm the righteousness of God and I'm going to go and I'm going to do that anyway. And I would go and I could do that. And God, you know, and so, and I could, and I'd still be a child of God. I'd still be a son of God. God would still love me. I'd still be blessed. But there is wisdom's the principal thing, man. And wisdom's just listening to what the Lord is telling us to do. God will navigate us through the dangerous waters of this life as we allow him to lead us. Primarily, he's going to lead us through scripture. And secondarily, he's going to lead us by the unction of the spirit. And so, um, yes, I could do that, and I could bulldoze my way through, and there'd even be blessing that's involved. But I've kind of come to this place in my life where, man, I just, I don't, I, I don't, I, I want, I want to follow what the Lord, I want to do. He's smarter than I am. He knows what he's doing, you know, and uh, like big time, like he's the creator. So I'm, I'm, I want to be sensitive to that unction so that I can follow that. So that I can be a blessing to people, I can be a blessing to myself, I can be a blessing to the family, because it allows the Lord really to live his life through us. And so the purpose of this gift of righteousness really is to bring us into that place of sensitivity, of relationship with the Lord. And then when I miss it, or I make a mistake, or I don't listen to the unction, I'm still the righteousness of God, and the enemy can't condemn me or bring guilt or bring this sense of separation from the Father. So I hold fast um, to, to that righteousness that's been given to me as a gift. You know, like, like Job said, my righteousness, I hold fast and I'll not let it go. So um, I, I don't, I don't want to present this, this sense of you will only be blessed when you perfectly obey everything that God says. No, man, God, God will bless you. He's already blessed you in Christ Jesus. There's already a blessing that's upon your life. But in a place of relationship, God will lead you. And he'll lead you around traps. He'll lead you around pitfalls. Uh, he'll lead you into, you know, right relationships. He'll, he'll, he'll just, you know, he, he, he offers it. You know, if you look in Proverbs, man, you know, wisdom is always crying out. Wisdom's like, okay, here I am. I'm wisdom. If you listen to me, I'll give you a great life. And, um, and so many times, you know, many of us, we, we grew up in legalism and we were so beat down that we we're almost fearful of, of even the word obedience because we were so pressured in that man-centered environment that uh, a lot of us are difficult to correct um, because we immediately feel condemned. But man, you know, God has brought us out of that into this place of knowing who we are so that we can have relationship with him, not just, not just bulldoze our way uh, through life with that gift of righteousness. Although you can do that. You can do that. And God will still bless you, and God will still love you. But the best that He has for you is us listening to Him, you know, and being and being led by Him. That's what He has for us, you know. Um, and and really, um, I, I think sometimes the hard knocks of this life just kind of bring us to really just a place of surrender. Like, man, God, <laughs> let's do what You want. Let's not let's not do let's you know. So. I hope I'm conveying that well, uh, because I really, I, I want that for people. I want people to, to just have that spirit led life, man, because that, that is, it's the best, man. It's the best. And that's what God has for us now. And so, and then, you know, I've been sometimes, and I, I want to kind of bounce it a little bit with this because people are like, well, you know, I got to be spirit led, you know, in everything I do, you know, and, and, and then people can almost get over in bondage in that. And they're just, 
you know, just kind of weird, you know. No, 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 just live out of your heart, you know. Just, 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 you know, you got a green light. Move forward until he says no, you know. And uh, enjoy your life, you know. Enjoy your life with him, you know. He's just, you know, I, I hope I'm conveying that well. Enjoy your life, you know, and just live your life and enjoy it, you know. But, but also, in the midst of you operating out of your heart, this new heart that he's given you, he's going to guide you and he's going to lead you. And scripture is too, you know. And, you know, God's never going to, the Spirit of God's never going to lead you to go against Scripture, you know. The Spirit of God's never going to lead you to steal. The Spirit of God's never going to lead you uh, to have somebody else's spouse. The Spirit of God's never going to lead you to do things that, that violate Scripture, you know, that they work together. And, uh, but there is leading that you need and I need that's beyond the pages of the book, you know, just like here recently when I, when I felt led to, 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 to not go to a few places. That wasn't directly in Scripture, but God... God was giving me an unction down here. And man, that unction, it is life. It's the tree of life. And so the reason God has made you the righteousness of God, number one, so that he can love you and bless you, but number two, so that he can father you and he can lead you and he can guide you into all truth. And it's a it's a beautiful thing. And that's why Jesus, you know, so many times, you know, we obey, 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 you know, under the, under the mindset of legalism. And it's like, oh, this is so hard. This is so hard. I got to try harder to obey. No, no, no. Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Life's hard, okay? Jesus said you're going to have tribulation in this world, but look, your relationship with God, it should be easy, and it should be light. And if it's not easy and light, come on, just your relationship with him, then there's probably some elements of legalism that we're still dealing with. It's not a hard thing. You know, it's just like once you get a plane into the sky, flight, pretty easy. A lot smoother than on the ground. It's the same way for the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has been given to you. And you get into that spirit-led place, man, and there's an ease. You know, I, one translation calls it the unforced rhythms of grace. There's just a there's a flow to everything. And um, it's, it's an easy thing. Now, I'm not saying there's not going to be battles. I'm not saying there's not going to be challenges because there definitely is. Many are the persecutions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. But the one thing that is easy is him, your relationship with him, his love for you, his support for you, his faithfulness towards you. He says, my burden is easy. My yoke is, my yoke is light. My burden is easy. So just want to encourage you in that because I know people can get, can get, man, we can, we can make anything in the world legalistic. It's astonishing how we can pull it off as human beings. Man, we can make the spirit, you know, being spirit-led, we can make it legalistic. You know, going to church, we can make it legalistic. Reading our Bibles, we can make it legalistic. Loving our spouse, we can make it legalistic. And uh, really, it, that's when we kind of get into our own strength and our own space and our own effort. God's like, no, 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 man. I, it's a surrender. It's a letting go. It's a rest. And it's just a leading. And, you know, word, words fail me to, to perfectly describe it. I just do the best I can. But uh, ultimately, it's the Spirit of God that will lead you into it. But we kind of, we, once again, we have two options, and I'm going to wrap it up. You know, we come out of legalism and, and thinking that we're right with God through our conduct and or even blessed by God through through through. Our conduct, and I'm not saying that obedience to to God's leading will definitely bless you, because God will put you in the right place at the right time, doing the right things. So don't get me wrong with that. But the blessing of the Lord is upon you because of Jesus, and that's why it's the blessing of Abraham. And if you look at Abraham's life, he didn't do everything perfect. You know, he made several mistakes, but God even continued to bless him even in the midst of his mistakes. That's really what the new covenant's all about. But um, 
but this righteousness that you've been given, this blessing that you've been given, it's not being taken away from you, man. It's not being forfeited off of you. Like, it's yours. You're in Christ. You're blessed. You're in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen? And so when you step out of legalism and you step over into this place of freedom, you know, there may be some period of time where you're learning how to handle freedom, you know. You know, I jokingly refer to it, you know, kind of like the teenage years where you're kind of growing up and stuff and you're learning how to handle freedom. But we mature out of that, and, and then we get over into this place, you know, where Paul talked about it. He says, you know, I'm free from all men. So I'm free. You know, Paul understood the new covenant, but he said, but I've made myself a servant of, a servant of all. And because he recognized his serving was out of a place of love, not out of a place of obligation. You know, the freest person in the room is always the person, number one, that knows they're loved by God, and number two, lets that love flow through them. And uh, so when you, when you have that type of love flowing through you, you're happy, you're happy to be quick to obey the Lord. You're happy to serve other people in love. And, um, and so you take your freedom and you steward it with love, ultimately. You know, and uh, that's that's really what what stewards our liberty. But there's a season of learning how to do that. There's a maturing process in that. So um, hopefully, I conveyed that to where you guys can understand that well. That um, it's a uh, it, it can it's a little tricky. You know, it's uh, I, I, it can be a a little bit of a challenging thing to convey. But it but it is it is true. And uh, I'm definitely have experienced all the things that I've just described to you in my own life. And learning how to uh, just allow that righteousness to fine-tune us so we can be spirit-led, man. Because being spirit-led, it means just winning, you know. I mean, just overcoming, you know. And that is sweet. That's a wonderful thing. And, and ultimately, that's what God has for you and for me, too. So, anyway, God bless you guys. Um, enjoyed spending time with you. I hope you enjoyed the, uh, the message. And uh, I'll just end us out here and, and just pray over us. And appreciate all you guys giving me the feedback and stuff online. Father, I just thank you for everybody watching this and that you help all of us to mature in righteousness and be spirit-led. Lord, we thank you for great days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. God bless you guys.